Welcome to the Third Down Gamble podcast. It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. There are a number of these players as well, and we have to keep this in mind. A number of these players, well, their contract's up. They didn't make any money last year. So in some cases, it may be holding out to see if they can get at least some payment. They've been working hard to keep in shape and be a viable kicker or whatever their position is. It may be in some cases that they're asking for that and teams just aren't willing to put that money out on the table. This is a third down gamble quick kicks. Frozen Tundra of Green Bay has nothing on us right now. It is below minus 40 as we record this show Welcome everyone to Third Down Gamble. You're listening live to the voice of Don Charbon along with Pat Mooney and Heath Graham, the three usual characters that have climbed out of the snowbanks and into their bunks where they can actually talk. Gentlemen, welcome. And stay warm. I was just thinking about how nice it would be to, to sit in the stands somewhere on a nice warm August night watching some football and we're... We're not there yet, but wishful thinking. Another part of my rationale as to why you don't play football in the snow, you play it when it's warm. No more games in December. No more games in late November. Absolutely. Thankfully, we don't play in February. However, it is football season. It's free agent, so let's get going. James Wilder Jr. is back in the CFL. Did anyone really think he was retired? (laughs) I didn't, honestly, but uh, I thought it was more of a protest move. I think it's just James Wilder being James Wilder. He can be who he is. That's not a problem for me. But Edmonton, of all teams, I wouldn't have picked Edmonton. Going back to his buddy, I guess, uh, Harris, they had the opportunity to work together before. And so, uh, as I understand it, he's one that gave him a call and also talked to the team and helped that one uh, move to the Edmonton Football Club. And he's the type of back that I think if he is ready and mentally engaged, I think he could rush for 1,500 to 2,000 in a season. You know, I heard uh, Derek Taylor talked about one of his stats was in, in terms of yards after contact, he was second overall in the league. And I mean, he averaged before contact 1.8 yards in his last year with Toronto. So, I mean, it looked like he struggled. However, you put a good offensive line in front of him and Edmonton has that. He may have one heck of a good year. Yeah, fresh start for him in Edmonton. Let's, uh, let's see how that works out. Like you said, he's got familiarity with some of the offense there already and uh, might be the opportunity he's looking for to kind of get things refired. There is one player in Edmonton that still hasn't been picked up, and that's Matt O'Donnell. The giant of a man that he is would be a great asset to any offensive line. If Edmonton doesn't get him back, that's one big hole they're going to have to fill. I'm actually shocked that he's one of the offensive linemen still out there because I do think he rates very highly as an offensive lineman, and and any team would be welcome to uh, have him on on their line. We've got a good Canadian, and he's huge. He's going to open up some holes, and uh, I'm surprised he hasn't signed at least somewhere if Edmonton's not going to bring him back. He might be one of those guys that's looking at a few options, though, right now. A player of that caliber, there's probably one, more than one team that has reached out to him, so I wouldn't be surprised if he does sign in the next day or two, but he's probably weighing those options and seeing what looks most appetizing to him right now. Lucky Whitehead has left Winnipeg for the warm coastal climbs of British Columbia. Heath, you brought that up, that Winnipeg was going to go one way or the other. I guessed wrong. I thought they would get Whitehead back and uh, Janarian Grant would move elsewhere. The reverse happened, but um, as I had kind of mentioned, they're two very similar players, very, very quick, good uh, good return guys that didn't see a lot of time 
uh, on offense. So I would have been very surprised if they both came back. Um, I think Whitehead will be a, a great addition to BC for the return game, and we'll see if he gets worked into the offense a little bit more. I know that was something that he was really looking for, was to get an opportunity to start and get a lot more uh, a lot more snaps on offense. So we'll see how that plays out for him. BC's going to have some competition now in the return game with Rainey coming back there as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see which one of those two wins out in that competition. You know that Rainey wants to see the ball coming out of the backfield as much as probably Whitehead does. And uh, I heard the joke on uh, the Turf District that maybe they should just have two balls in a football game and that way you could make everybody happy. And I thought that was a brilliant joke, but <laughs> BC may be thinking about it because that's two explosive people that you could really use and which one's going to touch it. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with having both of those guys back there on a kick return either. It's going to give you some options. They can run some uh, run some reverses and some different plays if you've got two speedy guys like that. I know Winnipeg did a little bit of that in 2019 with, with Grant and Whitehead both on returns. Could be a, a big year on kick returns in BC. Who do you kick away from? <laughs> there's not much choice there is there no it's a scary thought and if he has any blocking he being whitehead but let's say he being rainy has any blocking in front of him bc may set records for scores after missed field goals or long punts bet it'll be exciting to watch evan johnson signs with the rough riders an offensive lineman that finally gets to play for the hometown team yeah i'm sure you know, people in Regina are going to be thrilled to have the hometown boy back. Um, O'Day went out, and I, I think it was Rob Vanstone who said he, he, he cornered the market. Yeah, and they also got uh, another homegrown talent in John Ryan coming back for a couple more seasons. Uh, as we kind of alluded to, that I think the uh, the idea was that he was going to want to finish his career with the Riders, and, and he has uh, returned. We kind of talked about in our last episode a couple of holes for the Riders and they did a really good job of filling those very quickly, getting, uh, bringing Micah Johnson back and signing Larry Dean to fill that linebacker spot. So uh, they were really busy in the first couple of days and, and have kind of jumped back into uh, plugging the holes that they were losing from guys getting released. They've signed the twin brothers, Jordan and Justin Herdman-Reed. So you've got a linebacking core now that you can basically, we know the judge is not coming back, so you, the Canadian ratio was going to be hurting because of that. But because of the Herdman-Reed brothers, you've got options now to fix that ratio spot. We've given credit before to Winnipeg's general manager in terms of signing the people they wanted to bring back. And I think in this case, uh, I think O'Day has done, I would say, the premier job of filling the holes that he had on his team. I mean, they've got a strong linebacking core with those Two Canadians are going to fill at least one of the positions. Larry Dean is uh, was all-star in 2019, so all-star middle linebacker coming out of the West. And, and then he's added some depth with Canadian defensive backs as well. So offensive line, Shepley's right guard position was a huge hole. And bringing Johnson back in, it's it, it's good to see. You mentioned defensive backs. Godfrey Aneka is with the team now, and they got Lorenzo Jerome out of Calgary, who was a strong up-and-comer there. Yeah, the Rough Riders... Did have holes. Of course, Solomon and Lamimium has retired. So there was going to be a lot of flux in the defense, but it looks like that Jeremy O'Day has gone out and tried to address those needs in day one and day two of free agency. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. 
Shaq Cooper is now a British Columbia Lion. There is a change going on in Edmonton, and part of that change means that some players are going to be moving elsewhere, and we're seeing that. Yeah, I'm curious as to how quickly uh, the new head coach got working with the GM and really looked at the roster of, of who they had as potential re-signings and how much he wanted to go a different direction. Um, as we know, he hasn't had a ton of time here, and that was kind of... The, the deadline was to get a head coach in place and go after some free agents. So maybe they did really look at that roster and he wants to put his own stamp on it and they're going to go out there and, and start recruiting and getting some different uh, players on the roster. Well, one thing that uh, they did do was bring the coach's quarterback from Tampa Bay in the XFL, and that's Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, you, you might be seeing that sort of that influence already taking hold there because Milanovic had a had an idea and had a notion and they were working with him to build something and now that he's not there you have every right to make a a a seed change as it were absolutely and I think every coach is going to put their stamp on the team and uh you know I I I think Heath makes a very salient point in the fact that you know how much time have they had to look at this I assume that the coaches would have graded people out beforehand so based on the coaches that were there he's got to take their word and move forward on it and seems to me that they're moving in a different direction for some of the players that they have or had. Winnipeg had a hole to fill when their long snapper left town. Now, Mike Benson is there. Truthfully, Winnipeg has been extremely quiet in free agency. They did sign a receiver, though, Heath. They did. They picked up uh, Bryant Mitchell. Um, he's a, another explosive receiver. I think he'll fit in nicely alongside of, uh, of uh, who they've got there in place already. Um one of the question marks still for Winnipeg is Justin Medlock. And I heard he has been contemplating retirement. I heard uh, that he too. did this he did this prior to his last contract as well. And the Bombers did go out and draft Mark uh, Legio from Western University in the draft as the guy that I think they were hoping to groom under Medlock for maybe a couple of seasons. Um, if Justin does re- uh, does decide to retire, they at least have somebody else in the pipeline, but uh, not an ideal situation. It would be great, I think, for Winnipeg if Medlock comes back for a couple of years and then they've got their kicker of the future ready to step in after that. How much grooming is there when it comes to punting and, <laughs> and place kicking? Most times, rookies walk right in and start doing the job. It's not unusual. So I don't know if Medlock has to do that for the team. Maybe just to soften the load and take part of the responsibility away from them would be nice, but... I think often those rookies don't come in and that you're not like Medlock, a premier kicker. So you're going to have some growing pains with a rookie kicker. Every now and then we're surprised. We get a kicker who comes in and sets a new record for consecutive field goals. Um, but uh, that, that that's a rarity. More more likely, uh, particularly if he's picking up both punting and kicking, one area might be a little bit weaker and they may have to suffer through some growing pains. Wind can do some strange things on the prairies on a football field too. So if you've got a guy that's been there and can give the the new guys some tips on how to kick, it can go a long way. The one thing I would say with Winnipeg, and, and this is just me thinking about it, is you often hear people like Huffnagel or, or our Wally Bono as well. They were always saying, let's you know, better to move on maybe a year early than wait a year late. And uh, in, in this case, Winnipeg has now two years out from where they were, haven't played, of course, last year. They've kept the nucleus together, and it's going to be interesting to see how well that nucleus will continue at this point, they haven't added a lot of new 
people through free agency at any rate, but maybe they'll they'll have some people that they've signed and brought into camp that are going to take some spots and, and have some growth that way. Because if they do hold the, the, the core they had, it's two years removed, and I wonder if that will potentially impact their success. The one thing they've got going for them, though, is it was a, still a reasonably young core of guys. One of the concerns is in the running game. I kind of talked about that. Um, but there's not a lot of other guys that were of those those age concerns. You know, um, Jeff Coat and Willie Jefferson are still reasonably young guys on that defensive line. Um, I think they're they're in a good place. You're right, though. That's it, another another year older. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But they certainly committed to bringing that core group of guys back together, and we'll we'll see what the product looks like. Alouettes to me did a pretty good job of getting some big time free agents. Also announcing that Enoch Moamba is not going to be back with them. Does that put more pressure on Machocha to maybe say, hey, there's a Cameron Judge out there and he's available? I, I would be surprised if, if Montreal hasn't made an offer on Cameron Judge. From what I understand, Judge is taking a look at NFL options before looking to come back to the CFL. So uh, I would think that would be a natural. They've got the Canadian spot open. I believe they have the money. Uh, Moamba had to have commanded quite a salary in the past so I would think that they're you know if they've aligned everything else they should have some money to potentially bid on him Montreal has been very active Machocha went out and said that and certainly that's come true as we take a look at all the signings they've had and they've also brought some local guys in too which is interesting Machocha's former team of course uh you know he's been able to take a look at the Carabins and bring some of the players in he has done that local flair you've got you know much more affiliation with the local talent so I think that's a great move. And plus, again, it's not like they're just doing it for the sake of doing it. There's need here that they had to address. And they've got a long snapper. They've got some linebacker, receiver, defensive backs. Yeah, Armando Sewell and Chris Aki were two names that Montreal have signed recently that really jumped out to me. And as Pat alluded to, they've been very busy in the first couple of days. Hot out of the gate in free agency here. And even they were pretty quick in re-signing a lot of their own players when that first window opened as well. So hats off to Montreal for getting names on contracts and getting things done. You take a look at the defensive um, line that they brought in. I mean, they, you take a look at the people that they're, they've got. They've got Sewell, they've got uh, Usher, they've brought in Barron and Wakefield as well. So I, I think you're going to see that some some big changes there, but I think it was, it was time. The one thing I think in that 2019 run that Montreal ha- had was that their offense could pull them out of anything, but their defense was getting them into holes. And I think they had to fix that if they were going to be Grey Cup contenders, and I, they have really gone out of their way to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think the defense was what they needed to really focus on in bringing some new guys in. Offense, as I had said early in the free agency, I, I thought Montreal was one of those teams that was going to put a lot of points on the board. Now you've got a, a few key signings on defense and hopefully keeping opposing teams out of their end zone, and it's uh, going to set up really well for them, I think. Tiger Cats haven't been quiet either. They got Siante Evans, who was a former All-Star. They picked him up. Hamilton pretty much is stacked and stocked and ready to go. I would agree. I mean, when you take a look at the two teams that that uh, have kind of held the, the core of people together, it is those two teams that were in the Grey Cup. And uh, I think both Hamilton and Winnipeg, if everything works and they continue to gel and build and maybe bring in a few new players uh, for some youth, I think you're going to see some exciting things in those two organizations. Hamilton and Winnipeg certainly do look good on paper. Yeah, let's not put them in the Great Cup right away, but certainly I think they're going to they're going to be competing in that area. Well, when you get to the Grey Cup and you've got a lot of guys that are 
buying into that culture and want to come back, you don't need to make those wholesale changes. So I think you're right. Both of those teams looked at who they had, who they could re-sign, and were pretty happy all in all with, with how things looked. And um, I think the the culture of those two teams shows a lot as well of, of guys willing to re-sign and come back and believed in what they had there and not test those free agent waters as much as uh, some of the players from other teams. Remember, for proper physical distancing, if you're close enough to shake hands, you're too close. The recommended distance in CFL terms is two yards. Don't get a no yards penalty. Make sure you stay back at least two yards to maintain proper physical distancing. And kudos to the Stampeders for signing Michael O'Connor, Canadian quarterback. They are the one team that seems to be willing to go that route. Now, I know Brandon Bridge played for Saskatchewan that one season. More often than not, we've seen Canadian quarterbacks come out of Calgary. Well, give Toronto some credit there because they started with O'Connor and gave him an opportunity. And now Calgary is going to extend that opportunity so that uh, they can take a look at it. And I do think that's good. He's... He's a big guy, and uh, you know, with the new rule with two quarterbacks, he may be able to operate as a special teamer as well and give them that potential third-string backup. So I think it's a great move for them. I don't think you're going to see O'Connor on special teams. Yeah, with the limited roster, though, I do think you want to make sure you have athletes that can step in if someone does get injured, and I think O'Connor has all the tools to, to be able to do that. You're right. If he's going to be on the field as a quarterback, first and foremost, he's a quarterback. But we have seen other CFL teams operate with some success with having those individuals operate on the special teams. And I I mean, most of the holders are those third string quarterbacks in many cases too. So I guess if not running down the field, Don, I think you could see him operate in some of those positions that give them some options. I shudder when I see the backup of the third string quarterback out there on punt coverage. It just drives me nuts. I know the guy wants to play and he'll do anything to be on the team, but that's the quarterback. No. Fair enough. I would still love to see the CFL make strides to nurture Canadian quarterbacks. I don't know what that looks like if they almost get a free spot on the roster, but you know something along those lines of developing those Canadian quarterbacks. We've got a league that is proudly Canadian. We've got roster spots specifically for Canadians. I think the league needs to focus specifically on quarterbacks and how we groom Canadian talent to take that position as well. Um, I don't see every Canadian team having a, all nine teams having a Canadian starting quarterback, but it would certainly be a, a benefit to the league to have a Canadian QB on every roster and maybe work their way up through the system. Um, Michael O'Connor might be the kind of guy that really settles in at least to the backup role for Bo Levi Mitchell right now and can step in and, and uh, you know, take over in some of that garbage time right now and, and go from there. But it's something that the league really needs to focus on. Another thing that I would add to that, Heath, is is if you keep those Canadian quarterbacks, you're going to see someone who may come back and coach in the league having the knowledge of the CFL game growing up in, in the three-down uh, game. You get someone like Mark Mueller, who's over with Calgary, who went through CIS and, and obviously has the knowledge and has been very successful in Calgary. So I, th- I think that would be a great move. I like the idea of a roster spot, maybe having a designated quarterback spot there's something to be said if there's a team that has a very successful canadian quarterback it can really change the outlook for a lot of a lot of kids coming up i think we're all in agreement there for sure one other thing before we leave quarterbacks i would uh i know we talked before about who will be the backup quarterback in in 
Toronto, and, and it looks like they've stepped out to find CFL veteran Antonio Pipkin, bringing him over from Montreal as a former starter in Montreal. Um, they've got a, a capable backup in that organization now. So again, that leaves McLeod Bethel-Thompson as the question mark. He's the, the guy without a team right now, and um, there's not a lot of holes to fill, I don't think, left, so we'll see what happens with him. Well, the Argonauts also signed uh, Kelly Bryant, who was on that Clemson team that won the championship a few years back, to, uh, most recently out of Missouri. So Toronto, I think, has left the McLeod boat somewhere out in the ocean, somewhere, <laughs> and the Argo ship has moved on. I, I, I raised the question last week whether or not he would have a team to go to. I just don't know where the interest would come because he's he's on the wrong side of 30. And, and he didn't always put up stellar numbers, but but he was, uh, you know, there were flashes of brilliance when he played last year. And uh, I thought someone would at least take an opportunity. And maybe he's one of those guys that if there's an injury early in the season, he's going to be the first one called. That could be, but what's the price tag on him right now at this point in free agency? Is he expecting a lot more than teams are willing to offer him right now like you said he's he's on the uh on the north side of 30 he's not somebody that's going to come in for a, a league minimum kind of uh contract right now so he might be uh in a pretty tough spot some other names that are still floating out there there's Dion Lacey who is technically a free agent Taylor Loeffler out of Montreal nobody has picked him up and uh, he was on the top 30 list that the CFL produced as a Canadian and in the secondary, that's, again, ratio buster. Be a great opportunity for someone who's looking for someone. I'm not sure who that is right now, though, because most teams seem to have that defensive backfield pretty lined up. Well, I wonder if Saskatchewan might take a flyer on him. Could happen. I I mean, you're getting a, a quality veteran, I think, who could come in. It's going to, this might be a case where we talked about previous, where the, the price slowly drops, right? He's maybe not able to get, and as long as he's willing to come down, uh, he'll have an opportunity to continue playing. Ricky Collins Jr., who was released by Edmonton. Craig Rowe, Heath had mentioned, won it out of Toronto. Well, hasn't gone anywhere yet. Yeah, well, Craig Rowe and John Rush are a couple of defensive linemen that won a great cup in Winnipeg. I know John Rush was tweeting out yesterday that his days were over in Winnipeg, but I haven't seen another team put a put pen to paper for him yet. And Craig Rowe, same thing. He had left Winnipeg, signed in Toronto and now is back on the free agent market. So there's a couple of pretty solid defensive linemen, not not all-stars by any means, but solid additions to a defensive line that are going to be available. I think if you go back to Ricky Collins as well, you have an 1,100-yard receiver, and right now he's sitting out there, and I, I, I would be surprised if some team doesn't look at bringing him in again. He is a clutch receiver, and he's a quality receiver. He'll get you the, the hard yards inside as well. It's probably because of his veteran numbers that his price tag is a little bit higher and I'm sure Edmonton had to think about that when they let him go if he's going to sign anywhere it's going to have to be a real need the first team that jumps out at to me is Ottawa yeah they did they did sign a Canadian receiver in uh, Daniel Peterman that they got from Winnipeg but you're right there's not a lot of standout receivers on that team right now and, and that might be a great fit for somebody like Collins there have not been a lot of signings coming out of Ottawa and this is something that I I uh I was kind of shocked. You know, we talked before. They were a young team. Um, we were talking about whether or not they'd move forward with some of their players. And at this point, they haven't been very active in the free agent market. So they may have to. But Ottawa has gone out of their way to, as much as they could, extend everybody that was potential free agents before. The old age-old question, how far were we away from being a very good team? Because Ottawa, 
the number of points they put up in the standings was not a good team. But at the beginning of the year, they had flashes where they, they took on Calgary, they took on Saskatchewan. It looked like they could really do something, and then it just fizzled from there. They probably looked at the film and said, yeah, we've got probably enough here. We just need to add to it. Don Unamba is one of the guys that they kind of waited on, and then now they've got him. So that's a key guy in your linebacking core. Absolutely. He's a great signing, but uh, they, they didn't go out and get some of those other veterans that were available. What you say, Don, is they're on the right track because you you don't want to see a team that's going to struggle. Uh, you like to see competitive teams, and hopefully the players that they have will continue to grow. It's two years out, we do have to remember. And um, we've been talking about teams like Winnipeg who've decided to go with their players. They were very successful at the time. Teams like Ottawa are going with theirs. Maybe they'll be able to become successful with different schemes, with knowing the players they have and, and building the offense and defense around those those strengths they have. Well, one thing for Ottawa is they've got their they've got their new coach. They've got the quarterback that the, the coach wanted. So they've got a couple of key pieces in place, and now we've got to see where everything else fits. You want to sign what you can get while you get the chance, but then you got to be careful that you don't overspend so that if someone happens to slip through the cracks, that you still have that second opportunity. And we were talking about spaghetti against the wall. Don't you know make too many offers in the, in the uh, negotiation period because you never know how many are going to come back and stick. Well, this is the same thing now in free agency, right? Did you load up and spend on the first two or three that you got, and now you haven't got anything left? Yeah, I do think after we get through the first couple of days, and we're in day, the end of day two for free agency, I think the teams are going to have limited money to make moves on some, and this is what we talked about. You know, the first few out of the gate are probably going to get what they're asking for, but beyond that, you do wonder. I, I mean, I think there's still some teams potentially holding some money for the Moambas and and judge and, and some of the players that are you know extremely um, coveted but at the same point uh, there's other players who are still out there that aren't going to get what they thought they maybe were worth you got Tyler Johnstone out of Montreal you've got uh, Justin Tuggle but the big two obviously are judge and Mwamba uh, linebacking Canadian linebackers Canadian middle linebackers uh, if judge is trying to apply his trade in the NFL he's at some point you're going to have to read what's going on down there and figure out whether or not you've got a future there or not because you're going to miss opportunities up here I absolutely agree with that Don um, you know there, there are some teams that have probably priced themselves out of those ones there's probably a few teams that are sitting with some reserve funds and have to decide now is it worth waiting is it worth the risk or are we going to move forward and plug other holes in the roster that we see right now a uh, bit of a puzzle I guess for those GMs in terms of trying to take a look at who's still out there, how much can we afford, and and if we do in fact take a rider on some of those high-priced players, we may have to let someone else go somewhere as well. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T H I R D D O W N G A M B L E. Join us again next time. Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.